week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that wants to remind everyone that no matter how bad 2020 sucks, Mad Max took place in the year 2021. <laughs> my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Sure. <laughs> hey, man. I, saw a week, or, uh, I, I saw a meme about that like this past week, so that's really hilarious. <laughs> I know. It's really funny, and it's really scary at the same time. <laughs> um... Well, hey, uh, we actually have like a decent amount of news for the light uh, time that we have, so uh, you want to jump right in? Unless you have any uh, like funny musings over the past like week since we last talked. No, I've had like a crazy busy work week, and because of how busy I've been at work, I've just been in the mood to veg out outside of work, so nothing really funny, No, nothing really amusing, so I've got nothing in that department. Um... Well, all right, well, how about this? I don't have anything either, so why don't we jump right in and just talk about what we're watching, what are we reading? Um, yeah, sounds great. Um, yeah. I guess I can go first. Um, I had the chance to watch a couple of movies this past week, so the first one I wanted to mention was I finally watched that new Child's Play movie. Have you seen this yet? Uh, no. Oh, then the, okay. the one where Mark Hamill does the voice of yeah, Chucky? Yeah, Mark Hamill does yep. the voice, and uh, Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza's in it. She plays the mom, and uh, this is the one that was, when they announced it, it was, like, controversial because this time Chucky was going to be a robot as opposed to a possessed doll, right? So yeah. I this movie's on Hulu. I think it's on Prime as well. Like, it's a couple different places to watch it, and... Uh, I kind of was bored, and I was just kind of looking for something to watch, and I was going in to this movie very skeptically. Like, I was, because I've said it before, what I find the most frightening about the old Child's Play movies is when you see Chucky um, doing, like, creepy voodoo spells and stuff like that, I think that's just, like, so eerie and creepy and stuff, and, like, you change Chucky to a robot, and to me, it seems like all that's going to be lost, right? But I have to say, this movie actually was very interesting, and it was very, um, it almost felt like it had something to say about technology, and it's one of those things where I don't know if I like it as a child's play movie, but I like it. Like, I almost wish they just called it something else and maybe changed the look of the doll, because the idea of a toy doll that's, like, artificial intelligence is actually, like, pretty interesting and brings up a lot of, like, moral questions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically what happens is the, uh, in the original Child's Play movies, they're called Good Boys, I think. Um, But in this movie, they're called just Buddy, like, Buddy Dolls. And uh, what happens is they're manufacturing all these Buddy Dolls to... um, 
basically, you know, send out to different people's houses, and it kind of becomes this, like, this, like, artificial friend for your kids, I guess, so, like, your kid can play with the buddy doll, and the buddy doll is smart, and it's hooked up to the internet, and can do all these crazy things, and in the factory, what happened was, the guy, like, the manager pissed one of the workers off, and uh, fired him, and he's like, as soon as you finish working on the stall, you're fired, like, you're out, there, out of here. So then the guy in the factory basically deleted all of this doll's safety features before leaving. <laughs> so that's basically what sets everything into motion, because it basically from there becomes more of a small soldier's situation, where you have this really smart robotic doll that can learn and can play and do all these crazy things but he has no safety limitations so it begins this really interesting story where this this doll ends up becoming friends with andy the main character of the movie and he actually becomes so loyal that if anybody like pisses andy off the doll is like out for vengeance and like out to kill that person and it's kind of because of how it was so much of a different take i actually thought it was like really interesting and i was surprised so i definitely say check this one out like i said it's streaming a couple different places so you can probably find it pretty easily but overall it was a pretty good watch i was really pleasantly surprised um where is it streaming so so like i said i watched it on hulu but i think it's on prime as well oh okay that's good to know. I mean, I have both, but it's good to know that um, I can find it either place. I always forget. It's weird. I always know Amazon's there, and I watch Amazon for specific things like Miss Maisel and uh, you know Jack Ryan, but I always forget to look for it for other stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. And there's actually a ton of stuff out on there, but it's, I do the same thing. I forget that it's there a lot. Um, the other thing I got a chance to watch is this movie on Netflix that is not new at all it's a uh, netflix original movie and it came out a couple years ago i don't know if i expect that you've heard of it at all but it's this movie called the package <laughs> are you familiar with this at no all? i'm not okay so basically what this movie is is uh it's produced by the same guys who do workaholics and uh they have another movie on netflix called game over man which is basically workaholics meets Die Hard, and it's really hilarious like i really like that movie so i think these guys like signed a deal with netflix and uh they produced this movie called the package that's about it's basically a bunch of it's a teen comedy so it's a bunch of high school friends go camping in the woods and they're partying and they're drinking and one of the members of their group accidentally um in like the most innocent words <laughs> i can put this in dismembers his genitalia <laughs> and then the rest of the movie is the adventure of them getting their friend to the hospital and of course like all these hijinks ensue where you know they lost like they lose the guy's junk for like a better term and stuff and there's all these like really really crazy scenarios that like happen throughout the movie i was really surprised with this one too this movie is really funny like i I watched it, and then the next day I basically told my wife, like, you have to watch this movie, and I made her watch it. It's honestly one of the best teen comedies I think I've seen in a while, and uh, I just, I don't want to spoil too much, but I really appreciated this, because this came out a couple years ago, and it really went for gross-out gags, and you don't see that a lot, you know, lately. Like, oh, yeah. Gross-out teen 
comedies used to be a huge trend, and lately I feel like we don't have a lot of that. And so I was kind of appreciated that it really went, you know, it went for broke when it came to uh, presenting just really gross but really hilarious gags. So there's an argument. Yeah, I definitely recommend the package too. What What did you say? There's an argument of like all those teen comedies and stuff, like gross out gags and stuff, being like not PC enough, and I think that's part of it. Um, I th- and, and that's the other thing is I think this movie like pulled that off with blind colors too where there's a lot of stuff in it that is super gross and makes you cringe and makes you laugh but none of it is offensive really like it's all like pretty tame as far as being offensive but it's still hilarious and really gross so I think they did a good job at that at that balance right on um, but that's honestly it for me. Uh, did you have the chance to watch anything? Yes, uh, Shark Week. Oh, <laughs> is it Shark Week right <laughs> it, it is Shark Week right now, and that is literally all I've watched. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And it's funny, because, like, I get home, and I'm like, I turn on Shark Week, or, like, um, uh, there's a couple of uh, video games I play that have, like, I get login bonuses just for logging in the game, so I don't have time to play, so I'll just turn it on, get the logins, and hop off. Um, and yeah. then I'm like, hey, Shark Week's on. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I just have it on in the background constantly, and I've been watching it at work in the break room and stuff like that. So um, I love Shark Week. There's just never enough documentaries, uh, in my opinion, for sharks, like, on other times of the year. So it's just it's nice to have it at all times. So Yeah, I, I, I like Shark Week, too, too. I just haven't had live TV in so long, so I never watch it anymore. Sure. But... I bet I could get the Discovery Channel app and actually watch it. That actually sounds like a pretty good time. I just I had no idea Shark Week was going on, so yeah, it's good to good to hear that right. somebody's enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's about it for my watching category because otherwise I'd watch the more Simpsons with the kid and that kind of thing. So that's awesome um, that you guys are still watching the Simpsons. Uh, he gets he gets bored. Like he what? wants to watch he wants to watch the movie. He's seen the movie, but he wants to watch it all the time. And I'm like, dude, we need to watch more of the show because the movie chronologically fits. Right. So what we need to do is keep watching. So when we get to you know that part of the film, uh, when we get to that part in the show, and I got to find out where it sits, but. You know, you watch it, and you're like, oh, that's where it goes? Cool. And then, you know, you watch the movie, and then you go back to the show. Um, okay. Does, does, does he, in, he enjoys the movie more than the show? He is enjoys the movie. He's enjoying the movie more than the show because the graphics are better. Simpsons is a hand is a cartoon, and it was hand-drawn for so many years. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is the Simpsons does what most cartoons do, and they go computer-generated. So, like, the majority of the Simpsons is done with computers now as opposed to hand-drawn. Yeah. So, for yeah. him... Sorry, for him, the graphics just don't look as good right now because we're still in the early seasons. And I don't know... So we're in season three right now, like almost to the tail end of season three, and I'm not sure where the switchover is. Right. I was... Well, I was actually going to comment on the same thing that... And I don't know where the switchover is either, but I know if you keep watching it, there probably is a jump in animation where the animation does look a lot newer and a lot more clear and stuff but um it's it's still cool that you guys are still watching it like i think it's awesome to hear that uh he's enjoying the simpsons like well, that's if really i cool. if i don't watch something else on disney plus i basically bought disney plus for star wars so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah exactly um well that's a, actually a good segue into news you want to talk news yeah let's go for it okay cool since we're talking disney plus um 
since we're talking Disney, how about that? We'll discuss that. So there's a couple things here. Uh, there's a couple news stories here that are worth uh, bringing up. Um, yeah, I'm going to save that one for the end because that one's cool. Um, Tron 3 is, mo oh, I heard about this. is moving wow. forward uh, with Jared Leto. Um, and the director is going to be Garth Davis. Um, I don't. There's not much more than that, other than they're moving forward with Tron Three. Um, yeah, I was I was curious because I haven't looked into it a lot. But Jared Leto is he playing a character that we know from Tron, or is he a new character? I that that be that's a really good question, and I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. um, my thing is is that I liked Tron Legacy a lot. And because of the way it ended, I just it, it, there's the issue of the family that is linked to the game because the guy created it, and that, you know what I mean. Exactly. He created yeah. the game Tron, and it all went from there. And then the kid being involved, you know what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. No. I just figured it'd be yeah. more of a continuation, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, hopefully, and like, uh, I, I I really have enjoyed the Tron movie so far and I'm always happy to hear more is coming so yeah yeah it's definitely exciting and Jared Leto's you know a great actor obviously so <laughs> good news yeah. all around all right um we'll jump to this one um okay Mulan is coming to Disney Plus as a um it's going to be a rental of $30 this is where this is a cool thing um so first off you have to have a Disney Plus account and then you have to pay the $30 for Mulan to rent it. Now you think to yourself, rental, how does that work? Now Trolls, it was like a 48-hour rental. Um, it was 20 bucks. They made $100 million on it. Um, and you had it for the 48 hours via Comcast, and that was it, right? Yeah. Um, but they made a decent amount of money, and they're kind of using that as a, this is how we're going to look at, let me rephrase. It's more of a, this is how we're going to look at the, uh, like a, a new model for streaming and rental services because of the theater situation not being able to release movies. Um, yeah. And I clearly know this is an experiment. Uh, this is my guess. Is that, or Clearly, no, I don't. But this is a huge guess that the whole reason for this is because they don't know what to do with Black Widow. Um, and that's the big one. Um, because yeah. they need to get Black Widow out there, and if they can get Black Widow and it performs well like this, and maybe this is the answer for Black Widow at this point they can attempt to uh, uh, work on other Marvel projects in that fashion. Um, as, long as, a, as long as something gets on a streaming service before the Oscar cutoff, it can be accounted in this year's Oscars because they're allowing streaming services. So um, anyway, the reason I bring up Mulan is because Disney has shared more, uh, more information about how this is going to work. Um, Disney is going to have a, it's called a Disney Plus's new Premier Access Shelf. Um, and it's part of the rental platform. So the, basically it sounds like, you know how you have, if you open up Disney Plus, you have your Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, like your tabs. It sounds like they're going to have an ax, a Premier Access Shelf, like that, like consider those tabs as shelves, and then it sounds like they're going to have another one for this. So the only thing under that shelf at this point will be Mulan. Um, right. And obviously, if it works, it's going to this other stuff. The catch is, and this is cool, is you pay the thirty dollars to rent the film, and it will be available to you as long as you have a Disney Plus membership. Oh, that's okay. So, so that's like almost like buying it. So like you're ba so basically you are you pay for Disney Plus and you're basically purchasing a digital copy of the film 
that will be available for you to watch on Disney Plus at all times. It's almost like buying a DVD. Yeah, I um, I actually don't mind that so much because I know last week I was kind of uh, pretty harsh about the whole idea, you know, like paying thirty bucks to watch a movie in my living room. But that actually doesn't sound like that bad of a deal, so I'm a little bit more on board with it at this yeah, point. Yeah, I agree, and it. It made me go, hmm, I'll do the 30 bucks for Mulan. It could be awesome. But then I have it, and then, you know, so, and if they're going to do that with other stuff. Now, am I going to buy every Disney movie they do that way? Probably not. But, um, you know, when they depends do. Depends on what they are, I guess. Depends on what they are. I'm not going to do it for every one, but it's nice to know that this is an experiment that could work out really well. Um, it also could make the money we dump into Disney Plus a nightmare. Um <laughs> Because then you're like, crap, i got to pay for that now. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. if they start charging me for The Mandalorian, I am not going to be happy. So, um, <laughs> um what just I saying. Is, uh, if, if we weren't, like, in quarantine right now and people weren't supposed to be social distancing, this actually would be pretty cool because it could be one of those things where everybody chips in and you go to your friend's house and you all watch the new Marvel movie together or, you know, something like that. And have like almost a party around it, and it, I, like the in general the idea of it seems so much fun. So, I mean, hopefully, I mean, who knows if the, how long theaters are going to be around, and not to be like too dreary, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just it'll be interesting to see how this turns out, I guess. Yeah, I know. So we'll see. It's a big experiment. We'll see how it plays out and whatever. But it made me a little more comfortable knowing I'm not paying thirty dollars for like a forty-eight hour rental. It's me getting to. You know, I get to play the game. I play the game. I get to own the movie, basically own the movie at that point. So, yeah. Um, All right. So, um, do you know what the Nielsen ratings are? Yeah. Okay. The Nielsen ratings don't really exist anymore. The whole model has been completely revamped and no one really like follows it as much as they used to. Uh, For if you don't know, the Nielsen ratings are, it was the way they tracked what television shows um, how television shows and programming like the Super Bowl or like reality television or like a show like um, like Full House or Friends, whatever, how they handled um, ratings of people watching and you knew what shows were succeeding versus what weren't. Um, yep. Once streaming happened, the Nielsen ratings became very hard to streaming and on demand. They became very hard to track because you'd get the you'd get the live rating from Nielsen, and then you'd have to wait like all this extra time to find out what the streaming and on demand uh, numbers were, which were always delayed. So there's a company that does uh, called Parrot, which does um, analytics. Uh, so a report from Parrot Analytics. This just had me really excited. Um, finds that the Mandalorian is the most in-demand of all shows from new streaming services. Um, they've compared the launch of Apple, Apple TV, Disney+, HBO Max, Peacock, and so on, looking for the demand of the original shows stacked up against an overall, uh, against an average for the U.S. And when I say, and like they have, and if you go to the website to take a look at the analytics breakdown, they show you how in-demand The Mandalorian was, um, the average across platforms, so the average viewing for anything off of Peacock, which is the NBC streaming service, is um, 6.1 million viewers, the highest being A Brave New World at just over 10 million. 
Um, HBO Max averaging 9.2 million um, with the Looney Tunes cartoons, um, almost 20 million, <laughs> almost 20 million viewers, right? <laughs> nice. Okay. That is awesome. Um, that is awesome. Um, Apple averaging 14.7 viewers, million viewers, right? Um, with uh, For All Mankind being their number one show right around the 20 million. This is nuts. Disney Plus averaging 21.4 million viewers with wow. with The Mandalorian almost up to 60 million viewers. Sweet. Like it's like if like it's it is like when you see the pie graph or the bar graph or whatever you're just going to go are you kidding me? Like it is beyond. And the next one down for Disney Plus is The Clone Wars which is still above everything on all the other networks. Um, it's, it's, it's very impressive. So kudos to the Mandalorian for being what it is. Hopefully that helps with the Mandalorian's, uh, you know, Emmy wins because it's nominated for best show. Amazing. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, this is, this is really great. Um, I'm not super surprised just because of how, how much of an event the Mandalorian was and how a show like it had never been done and how it's Star Wars. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still awesome to hear, you know, that's, that's really great. Yeah. Um, okay, so I got a couple more stories, and then we can move on. So uh, Paramount has three Star Trek films in development. Okay. Um, I'm assuming these are reboots? Well, that's a good question, and there's not a lot of news on what they are. Um, okay. They, so I don't know if you've noticed that Star Trek has that new Lower Decks show. Have you seen commercials for this? Is this the cartoon? Yeah, it looks awesome. Like I don't care. I've seen one or two clips. I think that it looks pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it does. And like I don't, I'm not gonna buy CBS just to watch it. But it looks fantastic, um, compared to the other Star Trek shows. But they have three Star Trek films in development. Very little (laughs) is known. Very little is known about these movies. One of which, however, is the Tarantino film, which means they're probably trying to workshop it a little bit to go. Do we really want to do this? Um, Okay. I don't. I just don't know. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I just saw that and wanted to bring it up. So, um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. I'm all for more Star Trek. I just, um, I'd like to know what the plan is a little bit more. Are these going off of the Abrams thing? Are they going to jump to a different time frame? You know, that kind of thing, so. Yeah, I'm all for more Star Trek, too. I, um, I liked the last three movies they did. I liked all of them a lot. Um, I forgot about the Tarantino, uh, movie, so... I'm interesting. To, I'm interested to see if that's going to still happen, and then I'm really curious. You know, Tarantino handling Star Trek, how that will even go. You know, what will that even be like? Is really interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just I want more information. Is all. Um, I know. <laughs> right now, I'm most excited about that cartoon, like you are. But on all of it, I just want to know more about this. Point. Yeah. Um, okay. So. I was at a party over the weekend, and someone asked me, I hear from across the room, oh, wait, Drew would know, and nice. and I was like, I, it was literally all years like, what? And then they came over, and I felt like I was having a podcast conversation, which I don't normally have off air, um, <laughs> and someone basically was like, let's talk about, they wanted to know how, fe- well, it was all about the theaters handling reopening. Like, what's going on with this? Why are these theaters thinking about reopening with old movies? And I had to have a conversation about that. Um, because it's really like, how do we get people out of the house and back in the theaters when we reopen? 
Um, yeah. So AMC theaters and a lot of places that are thinking about reopening, they have these old movies that they want to bring in um, and play. So maybe get you out of the house. Um, and so you're not going to see Wonder Woman in the theater right away. You're not going to see Black Widow in the theater right away. We got to get the, we got to get everything moving. But are you going to go see Black Panther again in the theater? Maybe. Are you going to go see Gone with the Wind in the theater? I don't know. Are you going to go see Ghostbusters? You know, it's right. it's nice to know that, but I own Ghostbusters. Am I going to see it on the big screen? I don't know. This is interest. This is what's interesting. Uh, so AMC theaters are going to reopen. Uh, there's no. Uh, they're reopening nationwide on August 20th. Um, they're going to offer on the reopening day, the first day that they're open, 15 cent tickets. Oh, that's that's really cool. <laughs> just to, just to get people back in. And then uh, during the opening day promotion, AMC will show a um, array of catalog films. They will include Ghostbusters, Black Panther, Back to the Future, and Grease. Um, I don't know what there's any more to that list. It's just a short one from the news story I found. Um, and then the older films that they're going to show will continue to play for a while uh, for $5. Um, it's just the first day reopening. It'll be 15-cent tickets and then $5 tickets after that. Um, but that's cool. That's cool. It's just nice and cheap. So if people want to go back to the movie theater, if you want to brave COVID, that's great. It's not tenant. So I don't know if I'll be rushing back. To the, uh, I don't know if I'll be rushing back to the theater. I am so hard up for that movie. You have no idea. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, quick video game news. Two video game stories. Uh, for those of us who are excited about Halo Infinite, like I am, they are pushing it back to uh, 2021. Um, that's sad because I just want to play it. Um, it's not sad because they want to make the game perfect, and ultimately that's all we want anyway, so I don't want them to rush the game. Make it perfect. Take the time you need. Um, I didn't know they were uh, pushing it back because of the development stuff, but I think I followed the story a lot uh, less closely than you did. There's, um, a, there's a press release that talks about due to COVID, it's put strains on the publishers to get some of the development done in time. So they pushed it back because it's not ready, ready. And again... People working from home, it's probably a little less efficient and stuff like that. Probably. And in the world of COVID, if it's going to make the game not be perfect at launch, by all means, push it back, make the game perfect, put it out when it's ready. Um, yeah. Because sure. you have... It was a... As soon as you said another Halo game's coming, it was a F you, take my money. And <laughs> so um, <laughs> here you go. Here's Here's my 60 bucks. Um, yep, I didn't, there was no, there's no hesitation, so by all means make it a perfect game. I'll, I'd rather have that. Yeah, there you go. Um, what else am I at? Um, okay, there's two, uh, let's talk about Apple real quick. Um, Apple and Google Play, the Apple App Store and Google Play, remove Fortnite from Apple stores. Epic Games sues over anti-competitive behavior. So this is kind of hard to explain, and it's very confusing, and there's not a lot of, like, stuff that, um, it's, it's really, um, uh, it's, it's really complicated. So the best way to describe this is Fortnite wanted to lower the prices of some of their stuff on their in-game purchases for the players. And it, and Apple, because it went against, Apple basically went, if you do this, you won't be able to pay the 30% tax we have on your stuff. Um, so they so to ban 
to so to basically fight against Epic Games, they took Fortnite off this, the Play Store, and uh, so did so Apple and Google completely dropped the game. Um, because of this, Epic responded by filing a complaint for injunctive injunctive relief against Apple, um, and it's just gotten crazy and crazy, and there's a a ton of like quotes back and forth and like I said I don't know enough about the legal stuff to understand but they're complaining about Apple having a monopoly and uh, that I know is constitutionally wrong I know that's something you cannot do so we'll see what happens um, if you play uh, Fortnite on an Apple device or a Samsung device through Google Play you basically um, have no access not only you don't have access to the game you don't have access to updates um, there's a lot of stuff, and there's and the response they got is there is no telling how long this will last. So um, if you're not playing on like an Xbox or a PlayStation or a Switch or something, you you basically can't play the game. Yikes. So I know, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not a big Fortnite fan, but that just sucks for anything. Period. Um, all right, ready for the final story of the night because it's a big one. Okay, the majority of staff of the streaming service DC Universe has been laid off and has editor-in-chief Bob Harris and multiple other executives on the publishing side. DC laid off a ton of people. Um, yes, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is COVID cutbacks or furloughs or whatever the case may be. Um, they uh, Jim Lee is still on as a hero still remains the CEO. Um, there's a lot of names in here that a lot of people listening to the show might not know, so I'm not going to list off who's gone, who's still there. Um, but it basically, and I have a feeling this could be a partial thing of like DC Universe app getting joined in with HBO Max. I don't really know. There's not a lot of wording in the articles. Um, but there's big layoffs over at DC. Any thoughts so, on this, Peter, before... Uh... Yeah, I know, I know you said you weren't going to put names out there but from what i was seeing i think it's oh we can put names out there i just you know no i was just gonna say from what i was seeing it seemed like it was pretty much everyone besides jim lee (laughs) (laughs) like they're keeping jim lee and like almost everybody else is just gone which really sucks i know um i was seeing buzz online about like at&t recently bought warner brothers or bought dc or something and People think it's because AT&T no, no longer wants to spend too much money on the comic books or something like that because they're not the big money maker in this day and age as opposed to like the DC movies or TV shows and stuff like that, which right. is really sad to hear. Um, this is a huge story. I, it's kind of hard to know where to start. Um, do you have any like personal thoughts on it? or like, My personal thought, you can, by all means, I'm going to let you go because I think you know more about this than I do because I read it and I was like, wow, there's a lot to unpack here. The big takeaway from this is I think people need to understand this happens every now and then with large companies and yeah. sometime, sometimes, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. This is a situation where it's unclear. But because this happens every now and then, it's kind of like, um, okay, or turn another leaf, you know, let's roll with it and see what happens. The company's not dead. It's not like they're going out of business. So um, go ahead, man. That's just just what I wanted to bring up. Like, this isn't like a death to DC. This is a, they did some layoffs, and here we are, so. That's kind of where I'm at, where, um, so like, I guess where I'm at is, yes, this isn't a death to DC 
DC, and we're still going to be getting... We're still going to be getting stories with your favorite characters. They're still making Batman movies and Superman movies, and that stuff is still going to be there. Probably most of the TV shows you love are still going to be there. Um, I am worried about the comic book division of DC, because I I feel like that's the biggest question mark. And I've said uh, before that due to the lockdown and how that basically forced all comic shops and bookstores to close, I'm kind of really worried about just the American comic book industry in general. Um, I think this is a story we need a lot more information on, but that's kind of where I'm at is like, I don't want to see DC Comics go out of business or stop publishing or anything, but I feel like we need more information and we need an announcement from DC about what their plan is and what's going to happen moving forward. And maybe they don't know that. Maybe they can't bring that to us yet. I'm not really sure, but yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing. And like, I don't think, I know you said it sounded like I knew more. That's just kind of what I kind of gleaned from stuff I was seeing online was that people were blaming AT&T for this. I don't know if that's true. I think that's rumors at this point. So I don't necessarily know a ton about the story, but I'm just kind of cautiously waiting for more news, I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect. Um, I'm waiting for more news, too. I just don't think it's as horrible. Like, it's, it's rough because people are out of jobs, but at the same time, here we are. Um, it's not the death of DC Comics, and it's just it's a shakeup that we run into on occasion. So yeah, I, I my takeaway is I, I think those characters and stories are still going to be there, but I think internally, and this is this is just me speculating. I feel like internally they're going to restructure some of their uh, approaches to publishing, whether that be comic books or TV or whatever. Um, and like I said, that's just my theory at this point, but that's kind of what I'm assuming. So. Sure. Because, like I said, right now, all comic book stores are closed, or, you know, most places they are, and same thing with bookstores and stuff like that, and that, kind of the, the American comic book industry has been struggling for a long time, so it's kind of like, a big shakeup was expected, but what's going to come from this shakeup, who knows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. There's a lot. There's a lot of things going on right now. So luckily, we weren't at a lack of news for a change. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you ready to talk the list, though? Yeah, let's do it. Cool, uh, Ryan. It's list time. So uh, roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, uh, Peter, this was your list. Um, do you want to give me a quick, or you want to give our listeners a quick uh, description of what we're talking about tonight, if they were not here last week? <laughs> sure thing. So, um, San Diego Comic Con just happened. Um, our local San, San Diego are... Virtual Con. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a better way of phrasing it. And um, our local Chicago Comic Con is supposed to be happening happening really soon and it was canceled this year and i think a lot of like we're in the midst of con season right now and there's been no cons and uh when i realized that like when i realized okay we're in august and normally this time of year i would be excited for wizard world chicago and that's not happening and i kind of got depressed thinking about that and i was like 
we need to do a list to remedy this lack of cons that's going on right now. So I just was like, we should talk about our top five favorite just convention stories or, you know, personal convention moments. And uh, that's pretty much it. I just think it'd be a fun thing to talk about. And this is one of my favorite. I really like listening to podcasts that go through like stories and like moments and stuff like this. So I thought it'd be a really fun topic. So I don't know if you want to just jump in or if you have any thoughts on the list in general. Um, I have... Uh, well, I have two honorable mentions, so you want to, do you have any? I, I do it, I do as well. Um, mine are kind of cheats, they're not really, like, they're kind of throwaway things, but, I mean, they're worth mentioning just because they're honorable mentions. Um, okay. Uh, I guess I gotta go first. Um, so the first one is just walking the floor. Um, and I only say that because there's... If you've never been, like, if it's your first time going to a convention, you are completely overwhelmed, but you spend a lot of time just hanging out and walking through the floor and looking at everything, and, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that makes sense at all, I just, you know, just walking the floor, there's just so much there, there's so much, like, you're running into people with cosplay, and you're running into, like, everyone's just having a good time, and we're all there for the same reasons, and, um, like... It's probably the most friendly, safe environment you're ever going to be because everything is awesome and everyone knows that and that's why they're there. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't have to be into Sailor Moon, but I but the fact that this person is and we're both of this thing um and we can both like get our fixes cuz I'm into this and you're into that, it's awesome and we can still talk and have that commonality. Um that's I mean, that's why I said walking the floor. <laughs> so No, I I really like this pick. Um just the atmosphere of a convention is so addictive and it's so energizing and it's just yeah walking the floor is just awesome because everybody's there to nerd out everybody's there to have a good time nobody's judging you for what t-shirt or what costume or whatever you're wearing or buying and it's such a nice energy and you're also just surrounded by not only people that are all into the same stuff as, as you but all your favorite things and uh it's hard to add to what you said because you just hit the nail on the head so well but yeah walking the floor great pick <laughs> all right <laughs> um that'll move into my next one which is also pretty um it's kind of along the same lines in its vagueness <laughs> but i just picked the arrival so like the arrival at the con oh and what i really mean about this is like i feel like every con i go to you know you're all excited and you're driving there and i feel like you park your car and there's some moment where there'll be like one little thing that happens and that kind of like signifies the okay i'm not in real life anymore i'm in this magical land of nerdiness like i'm at the con and everything is amazing right now like there's there's just one thing that happens that changes everything. Like, you might walk by somebody in a crazy costume, or <laughs> you might walk by, like, one of those cars in the parking lot that has, like, an anime girl mural on the side, or, you know, like, there's just always one little thing that just reminds you, like, okay, I'm here, I'm home, this is amazing. So I just really love that feeling of arriving at the convention. So that's my first honorable mention. Um, nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's perfect because I you you get that like excitement building as you're pulling into the parking garage or when you're getting out of the car and you're like you can't get there fast enough even though you're probably gonna be stuck in line waiting because uh, the con hasn't opened and you got there early. 
<laughs> so, um, but yeah, exactly. Um, which is funny that I said in line waiting because my next honorable mention is line friends. Um, cons are a test in patience and, um, you are either waiting in line to get in the door, you're waiting in line for a panel, you're waiting in line to meet a celebrity, you're waiting in line to get a big pretzel because you're hungry, you're waiting in line for, um, to purchase something, you, the amount of lines you stand in at a con is insane, um, even though you're going to spend the time, like, meeting these celebrities and hearing these amazing stories and, you know, purchasing something cool or walking the floor, whatever, you have to stand in line a lot. And like I said in the, my previous honorable mention, we are all there for the same reason. We're all excited about the things we want to see. And you meet so many people just standing in line and we all want to talk about the cool nerd stuff. Um, Absolutely. These are all single-serving friends that you're probably never going to see again. But... Um, <laughs> You're basically hanging out and you're meeting people and you're standing in line. Like uh, I was waiting in line for the critical role panel and sat next and basically stood next to two girls who were there for the same thing. And um, uh, we talked all the way till the panel started. And I was like, you have a good con. And they said the same thing. And off we went, um, you know, so it's just that's how it is. Um, so, yeah, line friends is what I wanted to bring up. So line friends is always a great convention moment. I like that one, too. Um, this this pick kind of reminds me of uh, so it's one of my favorite conventions um, Anime Central in Chicago but Anime Central is notorious for having extremely for being really unorganized especially when you're checking in and uh, it's notorious for having like huge lines when you're waiting to get in like I have a friend who once waited to get into ASEN and he waited for I think five hours to get his badge <laughs> which is absolutely mind-blowing but some people you talk to at anime central actually prefer the long wait in line because they like the social aspect of it which also is mind-blowing but awesome a little bit in the same at the same time so yeah um all right what is your next honorable mention <laughs> yeah so my next one doesn't really have it's not really it doesn't really have a big story attached to it but it was just really cool um and that was uh, my bachelor party uh, two years ago uh. before I got married. Uh, we actually went to C2E2 as part of my bachelor party, and that was just a really awesome thing. That's kind of like a dream bachelor party for me. And uh, like I said, at the con, I don't know if there's any specific crazy stories. It was just a really cool thing. And later that night, we have some funny stories, but just stuff not related <laughs> to the con, I guess right. you could say. So. <laughs> well, the thing with... The thing with your bachelor party, and I actually thought about that when I was thinking about convention moments, and I was like, well, his bachelor party was fun, but the, um, but I also went into that, I also went to that con going, I'm not here to be a, at a con attendee, I'm kind of here for the bachelor party, so it was really hard for me to, like, focus a little bit on the, not, or focus not on the con where I wanted to be, like, um, where I was kind of like, I want to, like, go look at this thing, which I could have, but I'm also like, you know, dude, there's all this, like, after-hours stuff going on at the convention, and you guys don't want to do that? What's happening? <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's the only reason to make my list, because part of me was like, can we, you guys, I'm like, I can't be, I, there's no way I'm the only one who well, doesn't want to, you know, it was kind of funny, so. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was <clears> because it was a bachelor party, so there was a big group, and, uh. Um, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, like sometimes going to cons in small groups or even alone is great because you don't have to 
um, kind of weighed on your friends, I guess. So, I mean, with a big group like that, it's hard to get everybody on the same page. So I definitely yeah. understand where you're coming from there. Um, so, yeah, all right. So your bachelor party is your honorable mention. Yes. All right. Um, so actually, goes so with my first pick, right? Yes. All right, so my first pick is the Star Wars actors. Um, I have not had the chance to meet Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher or Harrison Ford, but going to these conventions, I've been able to meet a lot of other actors from the Star Wars universe, and Star Wars being my uh, one of my all-time favorite things, um, this holds a special place in my heart, because I've gotten to meet Kenny Baker, who plays R2-D2, or Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, Jeremy Bullock, um... Boba Fett, David Prowse, Darth Vader, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, like, I've gotten to meet a lot of actors that way, and it's just, and they've all been really gracious with their time, and just getting to meet someone who was in the universe, I mean, that goes to meeting any actor, but for me, it was Star Wars, and that's why I wanted to bring that up. I don't have a lot to say on it, other than the fact that I've got to meet these guys, I got to hang out with them for a little bit, I got to, you know, um, uh, get their autographs, you know, that kind of thing, so, Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Meeting actors at conventions is always like super cool. Um, within the world of Star Wars, I think I've met a lot fewer than you have. Like, I think my list is like Warwick Davis, Peter Mayhew, and Ray Park. I think, and I don't know if I've met any other Star Wars actors. But, I have not met um, Ray Park. You have? Yeah, he was at uh, I think Wizard World two thousand nine. I want to say, um, and so I met, I met him there, and that was pretty cool. Um, but uh, and then Warwick Davis and Peter Mayhew. That was like back when celebrities were at Comic Con, but the lines weren't as crazy, and you could just walk up and like talk to them. <laughs> like you didn't even have to buy an autograph. They would. It, I feel like they were a lot more approachable back in the day when I guess like the lines were a lot shorter or something like that. So that's yeah. when I met those people. But um, yeah, meeting celebrities is like always a really fun part of the uh, Comic-Con, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have too much to add to that, but I could go into my next... Well, my like, my, my, next three, my next three are all meeting people stories, so, but go ahead. Sweet. <laughs> um, okay, so my first pick is... Um, Drew, I know you'll remember this, but most listeners... or I feel like a lot of our listeners might not know about this, because this is back... This... So this story took place back in the day. I want to say it was the early 2000s when it was I, it was my first time going to a con, and that was Wizard World Chicago, and I think it was like 2002 or 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in high school, and uh, Wizard ran these uh, these conventions, and they had this giant like wizard booth in the middle, and they had this uh, this really funny thing. And Drew, you might remember the name of it because I don't know. I don't, but it was this thing where you would spin a wheel for a prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was basically... Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't know what you'd call it either, but it's literally like you spin a wheel and you get a prize. I, I thought I thought it had a funny name, like the Wheel of Destiny. Or I, I feel like it Maybe. had some sort of funny name, but basically what you would do is a, you and a bunch of other random comic book nerds would be waiting in this line at the wizard and you'd get to the front of the line, and you'd spin the wheel, and the wheel had, like, you'd spin the wheel, and it would land on a prize, and the prize would be, like, an action figure, and then you'd get some, like, old bootleg action figure that nobody wanted, or something like that, or you'd get a copy of Wizard Magazine, or Anime Insider, I think one of them was, like, 
half of a comic because they had a bunch of comics that they literally cut in half and you'd win half of them. So what you would do is you'd spin the wheel and then you'd go talk to somebody at the booth and you would say a category and then they would ask you a question from that category and if you got the question right, you would win the prize. But if you got it wrong, you would have to do what they would call a physical challenge. (laughs) And most of the time what the physical challenges were was they would just tell you to go out into the crowd and do something to embarrass yourself. Right. And then you'd come back and they'd give you the prize anyways. Um, so I remember be- waiting in line. And uh, the first time I did it, I chose Superman as my category. And I was waiting in line. And there, a guy, a couple uh, people in front of me, <laughs> I was like, walk into the crowd. And he had to yell, I love Bilbo Baggins really <laughs> loud. Um, so I'm assuming he had a uh, Lord of the Rings uh, question yeah. that he got wrong. So I got up there, and uh, I didn't get my Superman question right, so I had to run into the crowd and yell up, up, and away, and it was really funny, but I always thought that whole booth, um, I always thought that experience was so, like, funny. <laughs> it was, like, such a fun little game to play. I haven't really seen it since, like, I think I saw it, like, maybe a year or two after that, but I haven't seen it since. But it was just such a random experience that, at the time, I didn't know any better. I thought this was something that happens at every convention, but right. not at all, you know? But yeah. I just thought it was, like, a really entertaining uh, thing. It was. I watched a friend of mine's brother uh, spin the wheel with the category. He walks up, and he goes... Um, he did the spin the wheel thing with the category, he walked up to ask the question, and the guy goes, what's your category? And he goes, physics. And the guy goes, physics, okay. And he starts to think, and then this, then, and then my friend's brother goes, by the way, I have a PhD and I work at Fermilab. <laughs> and the guy goes, well, I got nothing, here's your prize. And so that's <laughs> it, that, that one, I, I always loved that one, and I don't think he was trying to stump him, it was more like, good luck, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> All right, so uh, throwing back to me, um, I don't remember any categories I had in there. Um, I think I I think I did Star Wars, but they couldn't stump me, so I just kind of. Um... <laughs> I, I I did it twice. So the first one I did Superman, and the next year, and I got that question wrong. I don't remember what the question was, but the next year I did uh, the X Games from that year because. <laughs> The X Games happened, like, right before the con, and I watched them religiously. Like, I knew who won, like, gold, silver, and bronze in every event. I'm like, there's no way they can stump me on this one. And then the question ended up being something really easy, like, where did they take place or something like that. So, um, Yeah, all right. Well, my next one is this goes way back. This is a long time ago. Um, I don't know. Uh, some people remember uh, the artist Michael Turner. Um He's one of my favorite comic book artists, um, but he died of cancer at a really young age, like in his mid-30s. I happened to be walking the floor at Wizard World, and I'm walking past the Aspen booth, and Michael Turner was not a guest that year. He was not on the guest list at all. He wasn't supposed to be there. And I stopped, like, dead in my tracks, and I'm looking at this guy behind the, uh, the counter of the Aspen booth, and I'm like, that's Michael Turner. I know that's him. And I literally, like, stood there for a minute baffled that he's just hanging out. No one's there. So I, like, beelined it to a vendor to buy a specific book that I already owned a copy of at home. I just didn't bring it because I didn't think he was going to be there. Bought a copy of a book, ran back to the booth. He's still there. I stopped him and was like, hey, would you be, you know. 
and it was basically, hi, how are you? Are you, would you willing to sign this? He was like, oh, absolutely. And he starts signing it. He was just really gracious with his time and chatted with me. And it was awesome. And it was just, he wasn't supposed to be there. So it was like me approaching him for this. It was just kind of random. It was, and he was really cool with his time to talk and everything. It was awesome. Um, so that's my next pick of the night. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, Michael Turner, he's an awesome artist. He's like one of my favorites. Um, and like, unfortunately, like you said, he passed away way before his time and uh i thought it was kind of cool this isn't related to that year at the convention but i went to a uh, wizard world years later and um i remember there was the aspen booth was there and they actually had a ton of his artwork on display and it was just kind of cool to see they were still honoring him like years after his death and uh there was literally just portfolios and portfolios of his stuff and you could sit there for hours if you wanted to just flipping through pages and it was I mean I spent like maybe half an hour looking through them and I got like halfway through one of the portfolios you know like there's so much stuff there to look at but it was really cool to see them continuing to honor him like that so that was awesome yeah um yeah and I got and he was there the next year and I went and had him sign a bunch of other stuff but uh, that one instance was just great so, um, awesome. yeah, um, what, um, what's yours next one? Yeah, um, I'm kind of trying to figure out what order to talk about these, but I think I'm going to go with one of my more vague picks and, uh, yeah, so I mentioned Anime Central having notoriously long lines before, <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, one of my picks I just chose was, uh, the nightlife at Anime Central, um, because this is a thing where, like I said, I've been going to comic conventions since I was in uh, high school, and uh, I hadn't gone to like an anime convention until after I graduated college, <laughs> but right. I had been kind of like pretty steeped in like Comic-Con culture, I guess, and uh, then in college I made friends with people who were really into anime, and they go to Anime Central every year, so it was eventually I had to go as well. And I remember walking into the convention and being very skeptical of it because, like I said, I had been gone to I had gone to a lot of comic cons and this was something different. And uh, even though I appreciated anime as an art form, I was still like really skeptical of the culture and the the way the convention was laid out and stuff. And uh, I ended up just really loving it. And uh, I think one of the biggest reasons I loved it was it was a convention that goes on 24/7, like 24 hours a day, like you wake up in the middle of the night and want to go to the game room, you can. And uh, since since going to that first ASEN, which this is, for me, this was back in, like, 2009, I think a lot of the Comic-Cons have kind of caught on to this, where they have big after-parties and 24-hour game rooms and stuff. But as far as I know, that wasn't always the case. And uh, I think it was just Anime Central's gotten really notorious as a party con because it's literally all hours of the day are roaming these hotel uh, hallways all dressed as crazy characters and all you know half of them are drunk but it's like a really good time and it's one of those things where when I first went I hadn't experienced anything like that and I think this is the biggest party convention I've been to like I know I've heard Dragon Con is probably like the biggest party convention just in general in the country but as far as like being from the Midwest 
Anime Central's Nightlife, I just think it, there's nothing like it, because you're just, it's just crazy, because of how many people are out and about and doing things, and they have raves, and like I said, they have arcades and game rooms all night, and people are just walking around dressed as, even if you're not into anime, you know, you'll walk by somebody dressed as Johnny Bravo, and then on your left, there's Spider-Man, and then on your right, there's Sephiroth, and it's just kind of such a crazy atmosphere, and I loved it, so that was one of my picks. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, well, my next one is uh, getting to meet Warwick Davis. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> for those people who, if you don't know who Warwick Davis is, he played Wicket in the movie Return of the Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. He is Willow in the movie Willow. He was the Leprechaun and Leprechaun. Who did he play in Harry Potter? One of the professors. Uh, I can't remember his name. Okay. But, um, yeah. but yeah, no, he's in Harry Potter. He's in a ton of stuff. He's He's one of those like he's one of those character actors you'll see everywhere. And then after he appeared in Return of the Jedi, he's actually in every Star Wars film, uh, henceforward because he was like what eight years old or something like that when he was in uh, when he played Wicket. Um, but Warwick Davis, um, I was always a fan of his, and I always wanted to meet him. And he went to uh, he went to one of the Wizard Worlds in Chicago. And uh, when I got there, all I wanted to do was just meet the guy. That's I, I you know I didn't need an autograph. I just wanted to meet the guy. And he was selling photos of himself, and I didn't really have anything for him to sign. But the photos that he was selling, uh, there was like some of Wicket and a couple of Leprechaun ones. But he had one of Willow. Um, that and the only reason I chose that one, not necessarily because I liked the movie, but it was more of it's a picture of him. Uh, where the other ones, there was a lot of makeup and costuming and stuff, you know that kind of thing. So, um, but he, not only was he really gracious with his time, um, but he was really cool about talking and just sharing stories about being in Star Wars and being in uh, Willow, and he, like, wanted to talk about, like, I wanted to talk about that stuff, he was willing to talk about it, and we talked for a few minutes, he signed my thing, and then, um, I don't remember what I said, but he kind of laughed at it, and he goes, that was really funny, he goes, why don't you hang out for a few minutes, and pulled up a chair for me to sit down, and I chatted with him for, (laughs) I I, I have a picture of me sitting next to him, uh, and then the guy, I cannot remember his name, but the guy who played Migosh was sitting next to him too, also selling photos, and while we were sitting there, he slides the picture, because the picture is Willow and Migosh in the photo, and Warwick Davis slides it over to him and goes, will you sign this for the guy, don't charge him, just sign it, so I have both signatures on the photo. Um, but, um, he literally, he pulled up the chair and he's like, sit down. So I sat there with him for like 20 minutes, just chatting. It was amazing. It was probably one of the coolest, like celebrity moments that I had, um, just because I got to sit and chat with him for a little while. Um, and then I was like, and then the only reason I got up and left, cause I was like, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I really appreciate this. Um, once again, big fan, thank you for doing what you're doing. And I won on my way. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. So that's awesome. He was at um, he was at one of the old Wizard Worlds I went to, but when I met him, it was literally one of those walk by, asked, and like shook his hand sort of. Thing. Right. <laughs> it was nothing as far as like how immersive that was, experience was for you. And I don't I don't know if I just got him on the first day and he was like full of energy or had his coffee. I really don't know. So yeah. Um, but th- that's great. Um, another thing that I think is funny is. Uh, when you were telling the story, I thought you were saying that he asked 
you to sign some like other customers <laughs> photo. Oh no no no. <laughs> no, he slid it down he slid it down to the other actor and he goes, Will you sign this because you were in the photo with me? And he handed it back to me. So um it's it's one of my prized positions. Unfortunately I don't have it like framed. I wanna get it framed. I have a bunch of signed stuff that I wanna do something with because yeah, I'm probably hanging up in the podcast room and whatever. Um, that, that's one of the problems with cons is it's really easy to acquire things that you don't know where to hang up because you can get autographs. So much stuff. Um, you know, so you start buying prints. Uh, certain booths have these cool free posters, and you're just like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. You know? I know. I know. Um, yeah, so anyway, Warwick Davis was my next one. What do you got? That's awesome. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with um, my Ninja Turtles cosplay that I've, I don't ah. talked about this on the, the show, but I made a pretty, uh, detailed, uh, cosplay of Raphael from the Ninja Turtles, um, that I've worn at a couple different cons, and, uh, it's just kind of this thing where I put a lot of work into it, like, I made this, you know, so, like, making a Ninja Turtles costume, one of the issues is, like, how do you make it durable and how do you make it comfortable? Because you have to wear a giant shell everywhere you go. And I actually figured out like I could buy these, this like faux leather uh, material and actually sew a giant shell. And that's literally what I did is I hand, show, I hand sewed this giant shell, like kind of like a soccer ball out of like pleather and stuffed it. And so I have like this big stuffed animal shell, but it actually looks pretty good I think and like I made a paper mache mask and it's kind of one of those things when I did it I set out to kind of be the best Ninja Turtles cosplay out of anybody else I've seen online and uh I mean I don't want to like I'm not like trying to brag about it or anything because I don't know I'm sure there's there are better ones out there but at the time I was just like yeah I think I can do better than most of the costumes I've seen and uh it's one of those things where it's awesome to wear because at conventions when i've worn it it's just one of those things that like it kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword because so many pictures people want pictures of the costume so it's like awesome like that feels good but then you can't walk around the convention <laughs> i know every five feet you have to stop and pose for i i walked with you for about 10 minutes and i was like i'm done <laughs> yeah yeah it's frustrating but if I was going to tell a story related to wearing this costume, I think it's one of the most random things, but it was actually Drew when I was walking around with you in this costume. At is, it the, is it the Rob Bruce story? Yep, exactly. Right. We walked up to a booth that, I don't even know why, but Rob Bruce from Comic Book Men was at this booth, and I think it's because Rob Bruce... I don't think he was making a celebrity appearance. I think he's just so... I think Rob Bruce was doing what Rob Bruce does because that's just what he does on his own time. I think he was just... I think he was there as a fan, like, I gotta go check this booth out. (laughs) I don't know if he was... And that's the thing is, I didn't know if he was a fan or if he was, like, either doing some kind of deal with the people at the booth or, like, almost, like, selling stuff out of the booth. Because I know he's so ingrained in the, the sort of chase for collectibles and buying and selling different toys and collectibles but it was really random to run into rob bruce while cosplaying as Raphael uh from the ninja turtles um i know rob bruce uh just from listening to some of kevin smith's podcasts and stuff he is a pretty big fan of the original eastman and laird uh ninja turtles like he's a big indie comic guy 
And, uh, you know, he said he thought my costume was pretty cool. <laughs> so that's kind of like, I just thought that was a really cool thing that, like, meet Rob Bruce, while dressed as a comic book character that I know he likes, and him actually saying, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good costume. Because if you watch comic book men, you know he's not necessarily the easiest guy to please all the time. So I just thought that was a really fun but random experience, I guess. Yeah, it was. And it was... Um... It was a it was a really cool experience just because he was again he was just kind of like we stopped him in the middle of his own thing. Yep. So he this was a situation where he like he didn't have to talk to us at all and he you know and now he was like he was just gracious to talk to us about the show and talk to us about the fact that they just got done shooting something and you know that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was great. Um. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um. So that was it on Rob Bruce. I still have a, I have a couple pictures for that, so. Pretty much, it was a, it, we didn't, like, take up a ton of his time, it was just kind of, like, it was so fun, and it was one of those experiences that, like, this could only happen, happen at a convention. Right. <laughs> you know, like, this literally, this exact situation couldn't happen anywhere else, but it's awesome that it did, so. Yeah. All right, so, um. The, uh, okay, so my next one is Sarah Underwood. Um, so Sarah Underwood is my, probably my number one big celebrity crush. Uh, Sarah, I know you're listening, so I'm telling you now. Um, the, uh, she was going to be at a Comic-Con and, um, I, uh, and it, it hit the, the stuff in my life and I had all these plans to go to meet her. She was literally the only reason I was going because I just wanted to meet her and, you know, just say I'm a fan and all that stuff. And, um, I had all these plans to go and then my life took a turn and life happens sometimes and I wasn't going to get to go. And a friend of mine realized what happened with my plans and as a birthday present, rearranged some stuff and took me. Um, it was basically like get in the car, we're going. And, um, it was great. I got to meet her. It was awesome. It was like, I have a great picture of us together um, so if you, how about this, the, my Twitter profile, my Instagram profile, if you follow me on those, um, that's the picture of me and Sarah at the convention. Um, but she was nice with her time and the, my friend who took me can probably tell the story a little better, but she said when I walked away from Sarah, my face just went bright red. Um, <laughs> so, um, it literally comes down to the fact that I got to meet her. Um, it was a great, it was just a really great moment. And Sarah, if you're listening, cause I know you are. Um, you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. I just, I had to bring that up because it, that's probably one of my favorite con moments just because, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, so when you said your, your face was bright red walking away from her, the picture in my head is, have you ever seen that meme where it's like this guy in school sitting next to a girl and I don't know if he's holding his breath or whatever, but his face is like bright red and like all his veins and his neck and head are sticking out yeah basically i i I don't know if my i don't know if the veins in my neck were sticking out but it was one of those blushing like oh my god i got to meet this like celebrity i'm in love with i'm not i'm not saying that's how it actually was that's just the image i got in my head (laughs) when you said that so that's kind of just how i'll like to imagine it but uh no that's an awesome story yeah um yeah that's all i got so um Give me, uh, give me, uh, your next, uh, give me your, um, yeah, what's your next, next one? Yeah. Okay, so, oh, man, I'm, like, trying to be strategic. 
music because I don't know if like a certain thing will match on, but I don't know actually at this point. But I'm gonna go with one that I was gonna save for last, but I'll just do it now. And I'm it's going to be kind of a it's kind of a long one. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible, but it's kind of my whole experience at Chicago Comic Con 2009. Um, and this is so I already mentioned. Uh, the story of the wizard world uh wheel of destiny or whatever it is that movie and from that story you can tell like i went to a couple of comic conventions in high school and i thought it was awesome and i remember being in high school and just being so obsessed with uh comics and drawing comics and that's just like where i wanted to go in my life like i wanted to be a comic book artist and then i went to art school and uh, spent four years in college and i want to say like i kind of away from comics for a bit I got really into kind of just art nerd stuff and uh, gallery art and stuff like that and that's kind of where my passion lied and uh, long story short I left art school and kind of was sick of that whole like artsy gallery sort of scene and shortly after graduating I went to Chicago Comic Con 2009 and it was kind of this it was like kind of like this reinvigoration of comic books and nerd culture and this thing that I used to love that I had kind of ignored for a couple of years at that point. And I think that just, that whole experience at that con just made me grow so much more into my nerdy tendencies, which was like amazing because I just got such a warm feeling from like the nerdy like comic book atmosphere at that con, if that makes sense. Right. Um, one of my favorite experiences at that convention was there's a couple people in Artist Alley who, so I went to the convention all three days, and mm-hmm. there's a couple artists in Artist Alley who I talked to who were publishing comic books, whether it was like uh, with a publisher or self-published, but there's a number of like people who I, I bought like a couple of their books, and then I would go home, and I'd read the books, and then I would come back, and I would talk to them about the books and that was like a really fun thing to do is actually buy the artist's work go experience it come back and talk to the artist about it and that was just a really cool thing to do um but i was also just talking to a lot of these artists for like advice to break into the field and stuff like that which i still wouldn't say i've broken in like i've self-published a few things but i think comic con 2009 for me marked this point in my life where i was like yes I love comic books. I love nerd culture. I've ignored it for too long, and I want to re-immerse myself in this world. And that was kind of like a cool turning point sort of event. So kind of vague, but yeah, it was definitely an important one for me. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm just like, yeah, good, my bad. No, yeah, that's, I, I, total, I totally hear what you're saying, and that's, that's a huge one. Um, that's a huge one for you, so... Uh, I feel like everybody will be into this nerdy stuff when they grow up and then they break away from it to, uh, for a bit. Like, a lot of people, it's when they start trying to get girls. Um, for me, it was art school. <laughs> but, uh, but, and then it's always fun to hear, like, what brought you back into being a nerd. So. Right. Um, okay. Um, my last one for the night. Okay, I've told this story before. Um... So, and I'm just going to tell it again because there's no comic book, there's no Comic-Con moment that's probably ever going to top this. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I, I think I knew this 
Okay. I'm pretty sure I know what it is. So I was a rep for a company called The Cypher, uh, which was a uh, they were a gaming company. It was all table. It was all tabletop and board, uh, card games and stuff like that. And um, I was a rep, and I was doing a. I was at Chicago. I was at was a World Comic Con running demos for them, and I ran a couple tournaments and that kind of stuff. And um, I had just gotten back from running one of the tournaments that I was doing, and um, they Kevin Smith was at the at the con doing Kevin Smith stuff. Um, and he and Jason Muse came over to our booth because at our booth we had uh, Richard de Parlementier who played Admiral Mahdi in Star Wars and Paul Blake who played Greedo in Star Wars. And they came over to the booth and they just wanted to meet the Star Wars guys and talk and hang out and they were there for a little while and um, I got back kind of in time to meet them. Um, yeah which was awesome just to meet Kevin Smith. I'm a big fan of his and he's an inspiration on me in terms of like, not just like writing and wanting to do that kind of stuff, but an inspiration to the podcast world because anyone who knows podcast knows Kevin Smith is a big podcaster. So, um, getting to meet him was great, but this was two weeks before Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um, had been released in theaters in the meet and greet while he was just there talking to us and everything. He invited all the decipher guys plus the Star Wars guys, to see the movie for a private screening with some of the cast members. Um, So we all went to the screening, and um, I got to sit next to Admiral Mahdi with Greedo behind me, and, like, it was just... The night could not have been cooler. Um, Just get to hang out with those people and hear stories and laugh and talk and that kind of... It was just... The the night was phenomenal. Um, And then... um, there's a key moment in the movie where they uh, there's a Greedo joke, which was great because we all like not only do we start laughing, but we all turn around because we got Greedo sitting right behind <laughs> us. Um, so it just made the moment even funnier because he thought the line was great. So yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's I mean the, I could go on and on about that story. So I did, I just yeah that's I could I could keep talking all night. So I'm just gonna, um, but it was probably one of the coolest events ever because. I got to not only meet all these people, but I actually got to hang out for a night with these people. So. Yeah, and that's one of uh, that's one of the best uh, convention stories I've ever heard. I think that's just like such an awesome thing. Um, I don't know why I kind of forgot about it until like we started recording the episode today, and I was like, I bet that's gonna be Andy's uh, number one pick <laughs> this week. But, yeah. Uh, no, that's that's super that's super awesome, and I'm totally jealous of that story. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, that's the thing. Every time I bring it up, someone's, I do get a lot of like, no way that really happened. Um, but, um, no, it did. It's true. (laughs) Um, there's, um, I was also thinking, um, just to kind of comment on this, I have had a lot of like small celebrity run-ins at cons, but I mean, nothing as big as the story you just told, but like just little, like small things that I feel like. It was honestly hard to narrow down my list, and I almost want to try to revisit this list sometime, because I feel like I do have some more stories that are, like I said, none of them as in-depth as what you just said, but I feel like there's a couple other funny ones that I have. Um, but I guess I could, unless you had more on that, I could lead it. No, I could, like I said, I could talk on that all night, um, but yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so my last one, which this one I kind of didn't say at any other time because I didn't know if we were going to match, but I actually 
uh, picked the Neil Adams interview that we did at C2E2 two years ago. And that's just one of those things where that was just like a really cool experience. And um, Neil Adams, I mean, I'm surprised. Like, you'd think he'd be such a hard guy to get a hold of, but he gave us so much of his time. And uh, it was just really awesome. And, like, I mean, there was, like, a little bit of banter in there. Like, he said I looked like Green Arrow point <laughs> in the interview. But I just think it's cool. Like, I never thought that our podcast would literally be interviewing a comic book legend in any sense. And we actually got, like, what was it, like a 20-minute interview? With I, was, I, was like, ex- that was I was expecting five minutes, and I even asked. I said, I'll take five minutes if that's all I get. And... I, I love how his handler's like, he's going to talk, we'll give you 20. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that was just a great experience. And like I said, it's like comic book legend Neil Adams. Like I never thought we would have done that. And that was just such a cool thing. Right, happened, right. So. Yeah, well, I got to say, if, you know, we uh, one of our brothers made a joke that he's like, oh, so if I want to get all these opportunities, at, like these amazing opportunities, I got to start a podcast. And I just got to say, it's not cheap to do that. Um, <laughs> so um, it was funny because, you know, press passes for, you know, you, you cover press and you get to go a lot cheaper than you would if you were to buy a ticket. And it's not cheap to start a podcast and do that. And you're kind of working all weekend anyway. So, um, yeah. It's it's not the same as it's not as glamorous as it sounds, but it's it's a pretty nice cushy place to be, and I really enjoy it. Um, so um, yeah, that kind of brings us to the end of the list, man. Um, you ready to hear what we're doing next week? Yeah. Cool. All right. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and I thought this would make a fun list. So there's a lot of television shows getting remade, or rebooted, or extra seasons added or they're rebooting and remaking movies, or whatever the case may be. Um, okay. But not everything, and sometimes it's a revival, like, hey, we're going to do a Friends revival, but it's only going to be one-hour special on HBO Max. Which, by the way, that right. got delayed again. Are you surprised? I'm not. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it got delayed for COVID, or if it got delayed because of uh, it's the Friends revival, and that's never going to happen. Um but uh, a lot of stuff, because they did the Parks and Rec uh, thing during COVID, but it was a one-episode shot, like, hey, we're going to do this. So all these things are coming back, like Fuller House and that kind of stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to do five TV shows that you think should have an extra season. Okay. Does that make sense? So you're going to basically take a yeah. TV, you're going to take five TV shows that are done and over with, but you want to see one more season with the show. Even if they were to, like, reboot it from now and be like, hey, X number of years have passed and here we go, or pick up where they left off, just one more season of a television show, um, what would we want to have happen to it? Okay, yeah, this is, um, this is cool. This is a cool Yeah, one. so yeah, just I, just, I was thinking about this for a while, like, ooh, that'd make a cool list. So these are five TV shows that we think should get, extra, like, one extra season. I'm not talking, like, an hour revival, like a special, like, The Friends is going <laughs> to do. You get, like, a full, like... Whatever. So, I mean, Game of Thrones, for example, if I wanted a Game of Thrones season, that's like 10 episodes. So I'm getting 10. But if I'm talking like a show like Riverdale, I mean, Riverdale's going to have more coming. But if I was talking a show like that, that's like a 20 episode season. My point is, you see what I'm saying? So you're getting a full season of whatever show you like. Um, So, yeah. Right on. Yeah. And Game of Thrones probably won't make my list because there's a prequel show coming. So, 
Um, What's that? There's a prequel show coming for Game of Thrones, so I'm probably not. That probably won't make my list just because I technically don't need it to. So. Yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> I was joking. I said, "Are you gonna pick Firefly?" <laughs> uh, probably not. I'm. This is kind of blasphemous and a little sacrilege, but I'm not like I like Firefly, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, right, right. I just I know I know that's like the one that comes up so much. So I was just kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, but... yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's about it. So you like that list or no? That sound. Yeah. I think it sounds awesome. It's hard for me to know. Um, oh, you know what? I actually just thought of one that I'm gonna pick. So yeah, it, it should be good. Um, well, <laughs> there you go. I guess. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, with that being said, um, do us a favor. Check out our, t- our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, topfivereport at gmail.com. Uh, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on the email. Hit us up on the social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. There you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which... We love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me on personally on Instagram and Twitter at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I'll be starting my petition to get Chow Yun Fat to play Madman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> Well, we know how uh, internet petitions go these days, so um, (laughs) good luck. Um, All right, that being said, uh, Peter, another episode in the can. So for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night.